With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch right at your fingertips with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Check us out at NotreDameFCU.com, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. Special thanks goes out to our friends at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting this show. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, and we've had a lot of celebrations over the past few weeks because we've had a lot of new priests that are that are going into our parishes now. I know. It was a very joyful, uplifting ordination mass on June 3rd, and of course, just personally celebrating an ordination, ordaining men to the priesthood is one of the highlights of the year. Hmm. And to be blessed with seven, I mean... We had seven two years ago, and that was the biggest class since, I think, the 1950s. And then two years later, to have another class of seven was wonderful. And it's not just the numbers. These are really good young men, and they're anxious to serve, and they receive their assignments from me, and they'll be starting in their new assignments on June 20th when all the priest transfers take place. Mm Yeah. So what were some of the things that I know you meet with them ahead of time and have like a a lunch or dinner with them? Any words of wisdom that you'd passed on to them at that point? Or Yeah, I took them out to eat for lunch a few days before the uh, ordination. Actually, before I took them out for lunch, I consecrated their patents and chalices. Yeah, I saw pictures of that online. And so I did that. And then we went out, took them to a Japanese restaurant that I think I had been to once. Uh-huh. So just a little different. And they enjoyed it. And it was it was more or less, you know, catching up how the last, you know, they finished the seminary. So we chatted about that. And then of course they're anxious to receive their priestly assignment. So yeah. in the course of the lunch, then I kinda then I gave them each their assignments. But it was really funny. I'd I'd get them guessing where they might be going. Uh-huh. And, you know, and they kind of think, okay, I know he's these are open because they've already looked and they say, okay, I know these are openings. So, yeah. so they kind of could figure out which parishes they might go to. And, and if, of course they know some of them, they're bilingual that, you know, oh. that, oh, I might be going here because I know Spanish well and all that. So it's really funny, but you know, they guessed a lot of them. It uh-huh. was really, that surprised oh, you, me. Do, do you ask them ahead of time? Yeah. Where do you think you're going? Yeah. Okay. yeah. A lot of them kind of guessed where, so I thought, how do they, you know, because some of them wouldn't have been that easy to guess. Maybe and I said, well, there's some leaks here. <laughs> and they assured me there weren't. That they were just, yeah. So that was fun. Josh and, over here is tapping your phone lines. And, <laughs> yeah. and on Saturday with the ordination, it was great. And getting to see their parents and their families. And a lot of priests kind of celebrated mm-hmm. and deacons and religious sisters and lay faithful. Beautiful choir excellent MCs. So it was, uh, it was pretty long because it's, uh, I don't know how long it was probably, it was over two hours, probably two and a half hours Mm -hmm. because when you have seven men, that takes longer. Yeah. My homily wasn't too long, I don't think, but I'll share a little bit about what I reflected. The men do give me their suggestions of what readings they would like. Mm -hmm. And then I just look and give the okay. I always, but it's good because then I kind of gives me some time to think about, because they gave me those weeks ahead of time. So to kind of be meditating on them and what I want to, what I might want to preach on or what I pray about and think I should preach on. So 
This year they chose the reading. The, well, and there's a, a list of readings for ordination masses that you can choose from, just like at weddings. So for the first reading, they chose that passage in the prophet Isaiah that we hear every year at the Chrism Mass. And Jesus read in the synagogue of Nazareth, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring good glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've preached on that so many times mm. because it's every year at the Chrism Mass. So I thought, well, let's look at the other readings <laughs> because I preached so much on that. And the second reading was, it was chapter five of the letter to the Hebrews, verses one to 10. Great reading about the Old Testament priesthood and then Jesus as the great high priest. Pretty deep, a little harder to preach on, although I taught you know, the letter to the Hebrews when I was teaching a course at, at Mount St. Mary's, part of the priesthood course. So, so there were a lot of ideas I could share from that. And then I went to the gospel, but I didn't want to get too academic either. You know, you don't want it to become like a theology class when you're teaching or preaching a homily. So, but I did have that in the back of my mind. And then the gospel was the last supper. And the men chose that because we're especially not only because the Eucharist is central to the priesthood, but also were in the Eucharistic revival. So they chose St. Luke's account. And so when I prayed and thought about it, that was what stuck out, especially the first sentence of the gospel of Luke, uh, of that part of the gospel of Luke right before the Last Supper, where Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And for some reason, when I was meditating on that, that sentence just kept coming to me, like I should really kind of start with that sentence. I mean, keep in mind, this was Holy Thursday night, and Jesus had already instructed Peter and John where the Last Supper was to take place and to make the preparations for it. You know, that's kind of unusual. So Jesus was very intentional in the planning because he was about to celebrate with his disciples a Passover meal unlike any other. Mm -hmm. And he was keenly aware of the suffering and death that awaited him the next day. He was about to accomplish his mission, okay, the mission that he had received from the Father, the salvation of the world. So I, I, that's what I talked about at the beginning of the homily, that Jesus was ready to give his life for the life of the world. He was really, and he said, I, you know, I have eagerly desired eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He was about to bring the Jewish Passover to fulfillment, and that's his Passover, Jesus' Passover from death to life, and to bring humanity to true freedom in the promised land, mm. the promised land of heaven. Yeah. So, as I said, it's the fulfillment of the Jewish Passover. Now, it may seem strange that I'm talking about this at the beginning of the ordination homily, but the way I tied it in, you know, obviously the priesthood, I said at the Last Supper, Jesus anticipated the sacrifice that he was going to offer the next day on Calvary, Good Friday, and he transformed it into a gift of love. Mm. He made this gift present in advance 
on Holy Thursday night in the bread broken, which became his body, and in the wine poured out, which became his blood. Full of love for his disciples, he greatly desired. He wanted to give them as a parting gift, the gift of his very self, his flesh as real food and his blood as real drink. So that's why he eagerly desired to eat the Passover with his apostles out of love for them and for his disciples throughout the ages, for all of us. He instituted the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Our Lord wanted to have this feast with the disciples in which he would transform bread and wine, the gifts of creation, and a way by which he would become one with them. And you think about it, that's God's desire to share his life with us, to bring us into communion with him. Holy communion, truly holy communion, which is what we call the Eucharist when we receive. So not only did Jesus institute the Holy Eucharist at the Last Supper, he also instituted the ministerial priesthood. As our Lord established the new covenant in his blood, he made his apostles the bearers and ministers of that covenant. He made them his priests, empowering them to speak and act in his very person. And he did so when he said to them, do this in memory of me. We consider that the institution of the ministerial priesthood. Jesus commissioned the apostles to do the same thing that he had just done, to take bread, to break it, take wine. So he made the apostles and their successors the instruments through which his paschal mystery would be made present throughout history, the new Passover. Mm -hmm. And at different times during the homily, I addressed the seven men because they're sitting right in front of me and uh, their parents and families are right behind them. And in my homily, I said, today the Lord will make Sam Anderson, Brian Florin, Bobby Krish, Zane Langenbrunner, David Langford, Jacob Schneider, and Ryan Tomosi, his instruments through which his paschal mystery will be made present in the midst of God's faithful people here in our diocese and beyond through the laying on of hands and the prayer of ordination. God will consecrate them so that they will be able to speak and act in the person of his son. In a new and radical way, they will be united to Christ a new seal will be imprinted on their very being when the Holy Spirit descends upon them, configuring them to Christ the High Priest, the head and shepherd of the church. These men, our brothers, will become sacramentally identified with Jesus, the eternal High Priest. Jesus will act through them every time they stand at the altar and celebrate the Eucharist. So, Kyle, the whole first half of my homily was really about the Eucharist mm -hmm. and the priesthood. I went on then to say to them, directly to the seven deacons, as you will celebrate the Eucharist, which makes present the sacrifice of the cross, the full gift of Christ to the church, 
so also it is from the Eucharist that you will receive the grace and the obligation to lay down your lives in generous sacrifice for the people you are being ordained to serve. You are called to live the mystery that is placed in your hands, the mystery of Christ's love unto the end, of which the Eucharist is the sacrament. So not only are they, this is my body, this is my blood, really Christ's words that through the hands of the priest, by the power of the Holy Spirit, bread and wine are transformed into Christ's body and blood that given for us and and poured out for us. So the priest who says those words in the person of Christ is to live them in his own life of self-giving love and pastoral charity, his love for the church, the bride of Christ. In that gospel from Luke, after Jesus instituted the Eucharist and said those words, the apostles really didn't understand. This, you know, it's so interesting. So mm. often in the gospels, the, the apostles yeah. don't understand. <laughs> they, they're so human, which makes gives yeah. us all hope. <laughs> they didn't really understand the significance of what Jesus had said. Because immediately, according to Luke, they began to argue mm. about among themselves about who was the greatest among them, you know? And that's when Jesus had to like stop it. He didn't say stop it. He exhorted them. He said, let the greatest among you be as the youngest and the leader as the servant. And then he made a very startling announcement. He said to them, I am among you as the one who serves. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no greater service than the act of giving up one's life, which Jesus was about to do the next day. At priestly ordination, and I reminded them of this in the homily, the bishop, after they're ordained, and then they put on the vestments, and I anoint their hands with the chrism, then the bishop presents the paten and the chalice to the newly ordained priests. And specifically, says to them, as I'm handing it to them, says to them that they are to imitate the Eucharistic mystery that they will celebrate and to conform their lives to the mystery of the Lord's cross. In other words, they're to imitate the life of Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Well, that's what the men are doing. They're laying down their lives. And right after a homily and and I asked the, the questions of them, their, their promises, more or less, then they lie prostrate and the litany of saints is sung. So it's kind of like a sign they're lying prostrate, that they're, they're giving themselves totally uh, to Christ and his church. They're going to live lives of celibacy. They're going to be obedient to the bishop and his successors. So the whole point of the first half of my homily then on the Eucharist and is also then the priest's pastoral charity flows from the Eucharist. And from the Eucharist, the priest receives the grace and the obligation to give his life in humble service to the church. And then I said, I exhorted them, I said, my sons. I always address them as my sons at ordinations. Okay. Even though they're like my brothers, but yeah. but I'm really a spiritual father. I'm the one ordaining them. Right. So I addressed them as my sons. I said, this will be your path to holiness as priests, living the Eucharist that you will celebrate. 
So that was really the first half of the homily. <laughs> and then I went on to go beyond the, the ministry of, of the Eucharist. And I s- said to them that with their ordination today, that they'll also receive the sacred power to absolve sins mm. and to anoint the sick. So I wanted to talk about those two sacraments. Mm-hmm. The overcoming of evil by forgiveness was central to the mission and ministry of Jesus. And I said to them, so it must be for you who will share in his priesthood. And this ministry of reconciling Christians with the Lord through the sacrament of penance is a beautiful gift to the church. I said to them, Jesus is giving you the key to reopen the door to the Father's house for sinners. I pray that you will carry that key with you and use it often, being readily available to administer the sacrament to the faithful. Never forget that you are to be images of the good shepherd who went in search of the lost sheep. Of course, it's essential that you yourselves have recourse to this sacrament. We priests must be the first to recognize that we are sinners and to believe in the divine pardon expressed in sacramental absolution. Only then can we be good confessors. So it was, that part was really an exhortation, especially that part about being available to hear confessions, mm-hmm. and then to go to confession themselves regularly. And then I wanted to exhort them regarding ministry to the sick and suffering. So I said this to them, and prominent throughout Jesus's public ministry was his great compassion for the sick and suffering. He healed many. He has given to the church the sacrament of the anointing of the sick for those in serious illness and has entrusted to priests this ministry to bring healing to their souls and sometimes even healing of their bodies. I especially exhort you to always be ready to bring this sacrament to those who are dying, even if you are called in the middle of the night. May it never happen that a person is not fortified for their final journey due to your lack of availability or neglect. Mm. That was pretty strong. Yeah. But I really believe that firmly. We priests, you know, there always should be, if someone's in danger of death, someone's dying, that they can get a priest Mm -hmm. who can bring the last sacraments. Of course, I I wanted to also, I mean, how can I talk about priesthood without talking also about their ministry of the word? So I said to them, my sons, you have already been exercising the ministry of the word in your ministry as deacons. As priests, you will continue to be heralds of the gospel of Christ. As you make present by the power of the Holy Spirit, the body and blood of the Lord in the Eucharist, you are also empowered by the Spirit to make the light of God's Word, the light that is Christ Himself present in the world. You are to teach in Christ's name the truths of the faith. And this is so greatly needed in the midst of the rampant relativism in today's culture. In this context, we may sometimes feel that ours is a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, but we must not be discouraged in our prophetic office, knowing that we are proclaiming the truth that saves, 
and that serves the true good of souls. So I encourage them to carefully prepare their Sunday homilies and not to neglect weekday homilies, to be involved in imparting catechetical formation in our schools and parishes. I said, may you joyfully obey the missionary mandate of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. I then finished with an exhortation to prayer. I said, finally, I encourage you always to be men of prayer, to cultivate and grow in your relationship with the Lord each day, not only by celebrating the Eucharist with prayerful devotion, but also by spending time with Jesus in heart-to-heart conversation, in meditating on his word in sacred scripture, and in praying the liturgy of the hours with and for the church throughout the day. Eucharistic adoration and regular confession should also be staples of your spiritual life. And never tire of invoking our Blessed Mother and meditating with the Holy Rosary. Without prayer, you will not have the strength and zeal you will need to give of yourselves in love to God's people. I told them I know how, well, how committed they already are to prayer, but I said, may that commitment endure so that you do not fall into spiritual mediocrity, worldly comfort, and superficiality in your priestly life. My last words were, all of us rejoice today in the gift of your ordination, a gift from the heart of Christ, a gift for the church and for the world. And for you, it is a sacred responsibility and a path to sanctity. May Mary, most holy, the Immaculate Conception, always be with you with her love and protection. May she watch over you and intercede for you that you will be holy priests after the heart of her son. So that was the homily. Yeah. So how different is that from other ordination homilies that you've done in the past? I mean, they're they're similar. I mean, I, I do teach similar themes. I usually talk about the nature of the priesthood, like I did at the beginning, the configuration to Christ, the head and shepherd of the church, the grace that they receive, their being able to act in the person of Christ, all those fundamental dogmatic things I usually will treat in some fashion Mm -hmm. because that's what, there's something changing in the, in the soul. This is something ontological touching the very being. So I always kind of do that, but I also, often or almost always talk about the three offices or uh, missions of the priest, you know, teaching, sanctifying, and governing. I think the fact that half of the homily was on the Eucharist is probably somewhat new. I don't know that I've spent a whole half of the homily on the Eucharist, but I think because of the gospel choice Mm. of the Last Supper— and since we're in the Eucharistic revival, it made sense. Yeah. And it is the central reason for the priesthood. So not to the neglect of the other ministries, but it is the heart of priestly life. All right. Well, thank you for sharing with us that homily and excited about our new priests. And I know you suggested that maybe we could have them on a show. So I know you've got a lot of travels coming up. So maybe while you're out of town, I can see if I can schedule with at least some of them, if not all of them. That's uh, a great idea. Get to know them a little bit and share that with the diocese because 
always good to know our priests, especially if they're in our parish, we want to get to know them. But I think also when, when they're not, you know, like yeah. we're going to get to know our priest that's in our parish, right. but it's good to know the other ones that are in the diocese too. Yeah. One other little thing during the litany of saints, the ordination was on June 3rd, but we allow them to choose a favorite saint okay. to add to the litany because uh-huh. there's the standard list that yeah. is in the ritual. But it's nice to be able to, you know, maybe their own patron saint or whatever. So I added my patron saint because it just so happened that June 3rd is the Feast of St. Kevin. Okay. And I thought, wow, this is neat. I'm ordaining men on the my feast day. Yeah. The feast is, now it's not on the universal calendar, St. Kevin of Glendalough, but it's on the calendar in Ireland. It's on the liturgical okay. calendar in yeah. Ireland where he's from. So I was at, when I had lunch with them, or I no, or I think it was, I don't know if it was at lunch or some time I, I shared with them, you know, you, I'm ordaining you on the feast of my patron Saint, Saint Kevin. So they laughed. Yeah. I said, but I want him praying for you. So I added him to the litany of saints. <laughs> so was that sung? It was sung. Yeah. It's okay. always sung. Yeah. Yeah. Sing Saint Kevin. Saint Kevin, pray for us. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Bishop. Before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend, Produced by Miriam Schmitz and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.